right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special and to those of you watching the local angle on FanDuel TV, Sheil Kapadia here with the man Ben Solak and ace producer Cliff Augustine. We are starting, Ben, a three-part season preview today, okay? So if they listen, if there are roster moves or trades or whatever, we'll of course get to those, but season is rapidly approaching. This week, we're doing the offense. Next week, we're doing the defense. And the following week, we go on the record with our predictions for the 2023 NFL season. How does that sound, my friend? Uh, yeah, I think I said before, I'm very ready for projections. I'm at all times ready to make predictions. You're the one we've been waiting on. There you go. Well, I'm waiting on you. I can't see you right now, but listen, technical difficulties are part of the operation here. You're on the road reporting for a story. So as long as you can hear me, I can hear you. We're all good. So Solak, I came up with a list of questions. I didn't think we needed to go position by position. You kind of, you know, I said, do we need to do the pain scale again? Is that tradition? And you said it was only one year. One year does not a tradition make. And I think that's true. So instead, I thought, you know what? Let's just go with some big questions. Let's go on the record with some takes. So let's get started with that. My first question to you, Ben, about the Eagles offense is, what is your biggest question about the Eagles offense going into the 2023 season? What do you got? Yeah, play caller's got to be the big question for me. Uh, I know that you and I have had a conversation a couple of times now about Shane Steichen and twenty or thirty times, yeah, yeah, the 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 lore and the uh, the uh, myth and the legend that's developed around Steichen. But in general, I feel like just so often last year we would come on a post game pod and we would say, "Wow, just like really well called well called game." It was very rare that we highlighted a third and six. Was, what was this play called? It made no sense. Uh, fourth and two. Why do they do this this way? You know, we'd always come on and be like, oh, the freaking Goddard screen worked again. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's, what a surprise. Like, oh, just uh, the pockets were so nice. The play action. They got them out of the pocket. They ran the ball well. They ran the ball this way. Like, it was just, it was so rare that we would find a week where it felt like the play calling was an issue or was something to, to highlight as a weakness for this team. Uh, Steichen out, Brian Johnson in. Don't know what to expect, right? If this were Brian Schonheimer, I can be like, all right, he's been doing this for 15 years. This is probably how it's going to go. But with Brian Johnson, it's just such a such a, a total unknown uh, from a guy who, who like situationally called plays at the college level, hasn't really uh, had much experience at the NFL level, that even if Johnson's like a fine play caller, I think it'll be a step below Steichen, who I thought was a really impressive play caller. 
Uh, and then there's also the possibility that, you know, for the first year of Johnson, there's just bumps. There's there's issues. The first couple games, they're getting play calls in late, and they're getting procedural penalties. And then they, they have a great stretch of offense, and then a defense comes with a counterpunch they weren't expecting, and they just can't adjust fast enough, right? Like, there, there's, just, there's a lot of ways that the play calling affects the Eagles in, in, in like, little degrees that like can stack up and, and equal like a loss you know here or a, a just a, a little wind out of the offensive sales there so play calling gotta be my biggest question i do agree with sort of the mechanics of it like i could like we really didn't see that last year where it's like oh how did they not get this play call in they had to waste a timeout jalen hurts is all upset there uh in the huddle that kind of thing really did not happen they, they were very good at that avoiding those sort of unforced error. So that would not shock me if like the first two, three weeks, whatever, first month of the season, uh, we saw some of that. Overall, I've said it before, I think Brian Johnson's in a really good spot where he's got a quarterback who can kind of uh, take control here, where he's got a head coach who is very involved in the offensive game planning and scheming, where he's got an offensive line coach who was in charge of the run game. Now, what you're saying is true. Those three hours, and, and you did, to be fair, this isn't revisionist history. You were pointing out last year uh, after the game that that was where Shane Steichen really shined. And I think that's fair. He did do uh, a really good job. So we'll see. I could be wrong about this one. I think Brian Johnson's uh, going to be okay, but I don't think it's ridiculous to have that as your biggest question. My biggest question is, how much more can Jalen Hurts improve? This is like a question mm-hmm. I feel like you and I, it's one of our first podcasts. I remember, I don't know if it was Philly Special or Ringer NFL Show, where we both kind of agreed like it's people overrate how much a player in the NFL can actually improve. Like it doesn't happen that often where they go from one thing to a totally different thing in a span of one, two, three years. And Jalen Hurts has just flat out been the exception. I mean, he's 25 years old. We've seen huge improvements every year. He's been in the NFL, and I don't think that we've seen his ceiling yet. Like, I don't think this is going to be something where we say, wow, 2022 was an outlier season. Everything went right. They got to the Super Bowl, and for the next five years, you're kind of chasing that, and he can't quite get there. I think there's still plenty of room for Jalen Hurts uh, to improve. If you just look at it statistically, you know, last year they were, uh, let me see, he was ninth in EPA per pass play and 18th in dropback success rate. I I think those numbers would probably surprise people. Now, some of that was a lot of these games were blowouts in the fourth quarter and your numbers get dinged a little bit uh, there for sure. But it's not like this was just consistently every game, every week, the passing game was clicking. Now, that doesn't take into account the run game, which really was like, you know, will might go down as one of the best, uh, if not the best in franchise history. So uh, I'm probably clouded by, you know, attending whatever it was, four or five practices this summer and just watching Hurts and being like, man, he's not missing a lot of throws. He's accurate. He's throwing on the move. He's trying throws where I thought in the past, you know what, he might not even try that degree of difficulty. And so uh, I think the O-line is going to be fine. I think the weapons are really good. I think Brian Johnson's going to be fine. I'm curious to see like what version of Hurts do we get? Are we saying... He's maintained his level of play from from last year. He's taken a step back or is he getting better? So that's my biggest question. And that that leads to my next question uh, for you, Ben, because I I really actually, we've talked so much about the, uh, as I say, minyate, other people call it minutia. uh, of the Eagles roster. What do you say? What do you think you are saying minute? That's not a real thing. Yeah. That's a grilson. Minute. What's what's better than pronouncing it minute? That's how I'm going to say it. Uh, I will not change. Pronouncing it correctly uh, would be better than saying minute. <laughs> moving on. Uh, my second question for you, Ben, is where will Jalen Hurts rank in the nerd stats? I'm talking EPA per pass play and drop back success rate by season's end. I just told you last year he was ninth in EPA per pass play. Uh, that includes, for those wondering, that includes sacks. That includes scrambles. It does not include the designed runs. As I mentioned, he was 19th in dropback success rate. Uh, And if you're wondering how are those two so different, basically it means that explosive plays, good. Not turning the ball over, good. But kind of the down-to-down stuff, uh, they were a little lower there in success rate. Success rate gives you the same uh, sort of, yes, it was successful if it's an eight-yard completion on third and seven, or if it's a 50-yard completion on third and seven. It's just, was this a positive play uh, for the quarterback and the offense or not? So now I'll find out, where do you think Jalen Hurts ends up compared to last year in those statistical categories? Uh, 12th and 12th. 12th and 15th. 
Get about okay. like EPA a little bit worse, success rate a little bit better. And I think that's because the Eagles offense is probably going to get the same treatment that most really, really good offenses get in the NFL nowadays, which is that teams are just going to start playing them a little bit deeper, right? You're just going to, instead of lining the safeties up at 15, you're going to line them up at 17 and you're going to tell the corners to play a little bit further off in zone and you're going to make Hertz and, and AJ Brown and Devontae Smith throw more comebacks and curls instead of goes and posts, right? And you're gonna you're gonna Even try with to, that run game, they're gonna be willing to play those safeties that deep. Well, so right. So I didn't say like, oh, they're gonna play more too high and less single high. I just said they're gonna push everybody back a little bit, right? And so I okay. like uh that thing is like I definitely don't think you can lighten the box, right? I think that's that that that's never gonna work for you. So I think just when you when you line up and when you and, and when you think pass, right, when you're in third and seven or second and ten or whatever, um, you're just gonna try to play things a little bit more passively. Like uh the Eagles tend not to put a ton of guys into the concept, right? They don't really th- put five guys out in the concept a lot. And so they don't stress your zone coverage the way that like a like a Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes team is where they're like, let's throw so many bodies out there and like have a ton of geometry and you have to have your eyes everywhere and so on and so forth. They'll just put like three into the concept, four into the concept. They'll keep it half field reads and stuff like that. So if you really want to make a conscious choice of like we're gonna take away the deep routes, take away the intermediate routes, make Hertz like check it down to the running back, check it down to the tight ends, you can do that to, with some success. And 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 you saw teams try to do that this year, right? Like the Colts did a lot of that when they played when they played Indy. Um and so I think that that'll take maybe some of the deep passing plays out of it. But Hertz is also a very mature passer who's going to be willing to keep the offense on schedule. Um, like when I saw those numbers, I was way more surprised by 19th in dropback success rate than I was in 9th in EPA per play. To me, that was like, oh, I would have imagined they were more successful on a down-to-down basis than that. Um, so eliminate a couple... Yeah. Eliminate some sacks. That way you can stay ahead of the sticks and uh, be willing to check the football down and take the underneath stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if their offense is a little bit more efficient, but a little bit less explosive. That tends to be what happens to these top offenses. Like Kevin Clark for us at the Ringer just wrote a great piece about the Bengals offense and how it be, had to become less explosive and more efficient because that's how defenses were playing them. Wouldn't be surprised to see the same thing happen to the Eagles. Uh, I think he's going to go in the opposite direction, not in terms of, you know, the, the spe- I, I agree with you that they might be less reliant on the explosive plays and maybe more reliant on the efficiency. But uh, I actually think he's going to uh, take a leap forward. And, and my reason for that is just that, again, when you're 25 years old, it's not linear. But at the same time, you're picking up things that, you know, I, I remember Pete Carroll used to be like Russell Wilson's like, you know, fifth or sixth year. And he's like, now's when a quarterback actually is learning stuff and mastering stuff. It takes a lot of time. And I think that's probably true. And, and just how young he is, the work he puts in, I'm not trying to go big, you know, intangible, intangible, this and that. But I do think he is the, the rare case where I do think he's going to improve year in and year out. The other thing is this, if you take out the fourth quarters last year, he was sixth in EPA per pass play and 13th in success rate. So there was a lot of times where it was the fourth quarter, maybe they're running the ball on first and second down and then uh, you know throwing the ball on third down, but it's like, hey, don't turn the ball over. It's not like they have to make something happen. I think they're going to be in a lot more close games this year. I think they're going to be trailing in the fourth quarter more uh, this year. And so uh, I think you could see a little bump there where it looks a little bit more like it did in the first three quarters. So I think he makes a leap. I think he's going to finish top five in EPA per pass play this year. I've got him fifth in EPA per pass ooh, play, 10th. What's that? I said, ooh, we, wow, wow, wow. Ooh, we, okay. I thought I said, we, like we, I'm like, well, no, not we, me. I'm the <laughs> team, team over I or whatever that Dennis yeah, Allen big, shirt big was that we talked about. I, baby. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the philosophy on the Ben and Shield shows. Listen to uh, Extra Point Taken if you're wondering what we're talking about. So I've got fifth in EPA per pass play, 10th in success rate. Uh, I just feel like he's got the pieces around him to make another leap forward. Again, maybe I'm clouded by what my eyes have seen uh, on the practice fields at the NovaCare complex. And, you know, these things, again, sometimes you're good and then you regress a little bit or the luck doesn't go in your favor. Uh, I just look at the way he was good at avoiding turnovers and, and that's even not getting lucky, but with the turnover-worthy plays like pro football focus uh, ranks, he was high uh, up there. And so I think he's good at that. And I think he can be a little bit more efficient on a down-to-down basis. All right, let's take a little quick break. We will come back with more. Thanks to everyone who is watching on FanDuel TV. Remember, you can listen to the Philly special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. To those of you listening, we will be right back. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. 
Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. What are a couple of the ones I like? You know, I like the under for the Arizona Cardinals, and I like the under for the Las Vegas Raiders if you're just looking at win totals for the 2023 season. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Extra Point Taken. Uh, it's not Extra Point Taken. It's Philly special. So like, how many times am I going to do that uh, this year? I don't know. Tough. 20, what's the over-under? It's over preseason under? for everybody. All right. We're stacking no, reps. No, but I'm not going to get better, get better day I'm in telling day you right now. I would say at least once every other week. So what? It's a 17-game season. We got playoffs. We got preseason. I'll set the over-under. Let's say like eight and a half. Now it can yeah. go vice versa too. We could be on extra point taken and I'm saying welcome back to the Ringers Philly special. I think I will screw it up. Uh, I will set the over-under at eight and a half. What are you taking? Yeah. Are we including this one as, as, as a script? Yeah, like this we is can include one? this one. Yeah, then, yeah that's happened. an over. That's an over. <laughs> All right. Very good. How are you doing? You're 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 on assignment. I don't know if you want to tell the people where you are. How is your reporting going on the story you're uh, working on? Are you enjoying being out on the road? Do you like doing a little uh, training camp stuff? How are things? I love I love doing a training camp stuff. I'm in Miami right now, South uh, South uh, Miami Gardens. That's what it's called. Okay, uh, where, where they hold training camp. Uh, this was my one flight this year. Everything else I drove, and I got. In total, delayed over 24 hours. So Whoa. that was great. Yes. Was supposed to leave Grand Rapids at 6 p.m. And then I ended up get on a Monday and I ended up getting into Miami at like 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. So great. Wow. Fun, fun for your boy. Spend, was, I was this walk- a sleep in the airport type thing or were you at least no, able no, to? No, 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 no. Okay. I, I, right. I never left Grand Rapids after multiple oh, delays good. and then I went home and okay. I slept. Um. I did wake up at 4 a.m. on Tuesday to get to the airport for a 6 a.m. flight that was immediately delayed to 10 a.m. Uh, that felt great. Um, in general, yeah, I, I love driving. Flying is, is not... Me too. Flying's fun, but I would much rather drive. Um, training camp is good. I, uh, I'm, I'm not good at being a reporter. This is not what I came up doing. Uh, I came up blogging and tweeting. I've been behind the, the camera. And so it's a it's good experience for me. It's a good learning experience for me, getting the, uh, getting the old recorder out doing my best Shio Kampati impersonation, trying to get the quotes, get, get the stories, find the scoop. 
Uh, it's, it's I've been seen fun. you do it. You do a good job. You're comfortable. You build a rapport. You're asking football questions, which they're usually, you know, they might not give you good answers all the time, but I feel like they're more welcoming to that than sort of the generic questions. I, I would love if I also felt that way. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure whatever you write on the Miami Dolphins will be great. And we will read that. Now, I had a similar travel experience just with family on vacation going to uh, Portland, Oregon. And I will say, if you email them, you can get a little, you know, something, something for your troubles. If, if you're interested in doing that, you know, that oh, yeah? I, I was surprised at the customer service. Nice. You get some points in your account. You get a little voucher, a little credit uh, for the kids. Listen, at least I did. So I can tell you what to do. Shilkapadia is, uh, is, is membership points uncle. All right. That's been my experience <laughs> of, of working with Shields just... You better be getting hotel points for this. You better be getting air points for this. If there's never, any any award system, Shokapati is in on it. I have taken on that role. It's been a year now for me uh, at the Ringer, and I do feel like when I see our young buck reporters, I'm peppering them with a lot of questions like, you work for Spotify. Spotify is a great company to work for. Are you Love doing it. X, Y? You. Are you doing X, Y, and Z to make sure you are getting the most uh, out of Spotify? Because listen, mm-hmm. one time you're well, at some point you're gonna have kids. You're gonna be thinking about college accounts, mate. Like college funds, all that. Like, listen, don't. It's it's stuff that they will give you if you just do certain things. Um, that's probably uh, a since, story since for you a started at the Ringer. I have not stayed in a hotel that is not a Marriott Bonvoy Points awarding hotel. Uh, that's all. That's got a shilka potty right I there. I'm so happy. My, if I, if you were here, I would give you a hug. Great job. Back, nice back, job back when you. I was a young man, I was a bright-eyed reporter. <laughs> I just whatever the nearest hotel was, I just clicked the first one on the list. Oh. Now I'm out here googling. Oh. You Marriott Bonvoy, you give me points. You better give me points, baby. You know who's gonna thank you is uh, is your wife next next off season when you say, hey, should we go to X this mm-hmm. city? Well, I don't know. Well, I got point. It'll be free. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Do you want Yeah. Here's here's a guy we we've been having on the on the bit for a while, but here's a, here's a fun marriage story for you. I've been accumulating points on the low in secret because I wanted to take my wife out on like a little surprise trip because oh, I tend to be the one, you, in the, Mr. It, Romantic. I tend to be the one of the two of us who's like, let's go somewhere for the weekend. And then my wife, who's extremely practical, extremely organized, is like, no, nah, it's expensive. There's no need to like let's just go somewhere local. Let's do this, and we don't have to spend all this money. And so after her doing that to me a few times, I was like, all right, I'm going to hold all these points and then I'm going to suggest something and then she's going to shoot it down and then I'm going to come in over the top with like, well, guess what, baby? It's free. <laughs> Lo and behold, we're at, we're at, a, uh, we're at a wedding. We're at a friend's uh, wedding for a friend. And I'm like, oh, I got to go downstairs and give them my Marriott number so I get the points for this stay because she's the one who booked this stay. And then she was like, oh, we should have used your points for this. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to them. Don't worry about it. And she was like, what are you holding them on for? And I was like, I'm just saving them. Like, it's, don't worry about it. It's fine. She was like, well, no, seriously. Like, what? You, work's going to pay for all your work hotels. Like, why wouldn't we use it for this? And I was like, eh, don't worry about it. Like, I'm just going to save them. We'll think of something. But again, my wife, very organized, very scheduled, didn't like the idea of me just saving and squandering my points. So she kept on needling me. Like, what are you going to save? What are you doing? Where are you going with points? What are you doing with the hotels? And eventually I broke and I was like, I was going to surprise you with a trip, but you won't leave me alone. And now I have to justify this. So it doesn't seem like I'm sneaking hotel days from you for some reason. So my surprise didn't work. <laughs> well, it was a thought that counts. And I am proud of you. And listen, one day you. you'll be able to sneak them, surprise her. And everything will work out great. It's got, I'm going to be in a good mood the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the podcast here. All right. Question number three. This is one I feel like we've done on every podcast for like the last six months, but let's make one final declaration. The fantasy heads are just going wild about the Eagles running back situation. So the question is, which running back will lead the team in yards from scrimmage and what will their stat line be? Now, then I looked up a little fan duel, gave me DeAndre Swift's over-under for rushing yards, was 500.5 rushing yards. I could not find a Kenny Gainwell uh, over-under for rushing yards. I don't know if I you know, have seen that. sad. Uh, okay, you haven't seen one uh, mm-hmm. either then. So Okay, so DeAndre Swift, we know, is 500.5. Um, I don't know if he's your choice. Your choice previously had been Gainwell. How are you feeling and what's the stat line? Yeah, I, I still personally think that it's going to be Gainwell. Um, on the Swift number, I think if Swift is healthy for 17 games, he's absolutely getting that number. If you're betting into that number, you're betting into Swift's availability, right? Like he's generally been available for like 75, 80% of the regular season games, but he also hasn't finished a lot of those games or has been limited in some of those games. He tends to get a lot of like soft tissue injuries and, and, and nagging injuries. 
And so I like I I think that's an overlook, but I personally wouldn't bet to that number because you're betting into health, and that's just not like I think a a, a, a winning approach. Accordingly, for me, I, I I still think it's Gainwell in terms of who leads the, the Eagles from yards per scrimmage, and I honestly think that like looking at some of Swift's previous seasons is like a good benchmark for what Gainwell could be. Right when Swift was with Detroit and he was splitting times with Jamal Williams, like 2021. So Swift had 617 rushing yards. He had 450 receiving yards. I think that you're probably going to see a little bit more on the rushing, a little bit less on the receiving, just because of the nature of the Eagles offense. But that's sort of a, a construction like 700, 300, where you end up with about 1,000 yards from scrimmage, um, but you're getting like a, a big portion, 30, 40% of that from receiving. I could very well see that that for uh, for Gainwell. Um, if, so yeah, if Swift's healthy for 17 games, like if you promised me that, I think I would take Swift to lead the Eagles overall in, in scrimmage yards of the position. I just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm not expecting him to be available for every game and then like 100% healthy for like even 50% of the games. And accordingly, I think that Kenny's just the more reliable option. He's the option that they, they know, they're going to trust, they can set their watch to him. And I think if you're betting on someone to lead the Eagles in scrimmage, I'd take him. All right, we're on opposite sides here. I think we started this conversation months ago on opposite sides. I've still, I've still got Swift. I mean... Gainwell had 53 carries last season and 68 carries the season before. 240 rushing yards, 291 rushing yards. I mean, Miles Sanders had 279 touches last year and Gainwell had 76. I'm just like, if they saw more from Gainwell, would there be almost a 200 touch disparity between those two players. Now, maybe he, they were just saying, all right, ease him in, ease him in, and now he's ready for a bigger wor- workload. That's possible. He's been a very efficient runner. We've talked about that before. He hasn't been an explosive runner, but he's been a very efficient runner. Uh, DeAndre Swift, you mentioned it, has never had more than 617 rushing yards uh, in a season. His career high, four yards from scrimmage, is 1,069 I think DeAndre Swift is going to lead the team in yards from scrimmage. Your durability questions are absolutely fair. I think he's going to be able to get some explosive plays, though, in this offense. Like, you know, a couple 50-yarders maybe throughout the course of the season where things open up, whether it's a run, whether it's a screen or whatever. I've got him down for 120 carries for 588 yards and 30 catches for 255 yards for 843 yards from scrimmage. So I'm not telling you the guy's going to be Miles Sanders from Mm -hmm. last year. I agree. It's going to be a running back by committee, no doubt. But uh, I still like Swift uh, over Gainwell in terms of their leader for touches and yards from scrimmage. So we'll see. Who knows? All right. Question number four. Which newcomer, Ben, will make the biggest impact and who is most likely to disappoint? Now, I told you, this can be anyone who was not a starter last year. So it doesn't have to be just, hey, uh, who's, who's a new guy uh, on the roster? If it's somebody taking mm-hmm. on a bigger role, whatever, it can be that person. Who do you have for this one? Uh, I think the one who's, who's, who's going to step in and step up is Cam Jurgens. Jurgens. Jurgens? Well, I always forget where we I land on Jer- Cam's I think it's Jurgens. I think it's Jurgens. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cam Jurgens. I mean, like... Uh, I thought that right guard competition was going to be a thing, right? I thought it was going to be training camp and it was going to be updates and it was going to be day 11. Tyler Steen took eight first team reps for Cam took six. What does this mean? And it just never was. It was just Cam walked in. The job is Cam's. And since then, it's been ho-hum. It's been, it's been quiet on it. Um, liked Cam's film a lot uh, coming out of Nebraska. Thought that he would... Never really thought about him as playing guard. Always thought of him as, as, as being the center, the, the center of the future. I think that's also how the Eagles thought of him. And I think the fact that he stepped in so quickly and and handled the job is a really good sign. Um, I, to me, like Jurgens is the, like the fact that we're not talking about him is good, right? It's that old adage of offensive linemen where like, if you don't mention the guy, that's, that's, that's good news. Cause you're not thinking about him. You're not worried about him. Obviously in Philly, that's a little different. Cause we like have grown to lionize our offensive linemen and we, we, we talk about them so much, but in general, I think that, that that's, that's good. That's good news uh, for Jurgens. in terms of the newcomer who, I I'm at this point, like wondering about the disappointment. I would definitely say that Rashad Penny is the guy now. We're like, I was very excited when they signed Penny. Oh, we have the same answers. Oh, how about it? I like, I, I like Penny still looked good in the preseason, right? It just, it's very clear that they think of their running back room right now, more so in terms of like Swift gain. Well, and then also Rashad Penny's here as opposed to like when they got Penny, I was like, all right, they're going to, you know, give him an opportunity to feature him. Um, 
I don't think they're in danger of cutting Penny. He's a, such a small contract. Like, it's just that it doesn't make any sense to do that. And I think when Penny's out there, I think he can produce. But it doesn't seem like they view him as a big part of the offense. More so they just see him as, we needed a big back. This is a big back. He's pretty good. He has a million dollars. Let's do the thing. Um, and so as, if, we're, if we're framing the question as like, you know, where are my expectations? Like, arrows pointing up, arrows pointing down over the course of the summer. Penny's definitely the guy on offense whose arrows pointing down. There isn't really, like, any other candidate. You know what I'm saying? Like... You want me to say Mariota? Like I don't care. No, like that doesn't. That's not. That doesn't register for me. <laughs> I didn't even think about him. Yeah, but I, I guess the a person could say Mariota. Yeah, but he's not even on my uh, radar uh, either. There, but no, I, I think those again. Those are the same answers I had with Penny. I thought like people are gonna here. Here's what I thought the arc was gonna be. I thought he was gonna look awesome in training camp, look awesome in the preseason. Everyone was gonna get excited, and then he was gonna get injured in like week three, and we were never going to hear from him uh, again, because that's kind of been how his career's gone. When he's played, he's been awesome, uh, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But that buzz never really grew this summer. You know, yeah. it was never like, wow, look at Rashad Penny uh, in training camp. Or like you said, the preseason games, he was fine. It wasn't like, this looks like one of the, you know, 15 most talented backs in the NFL. And, you know, you just have to take different factors into account. Like, as I was thinking that, I'm looking back, well, he's been in the league for five years and he's averaged more than seven carries per game twice. He stayed healthy for more than 10 games once. Uh, he's been a wonderful player when healthy, but again, he hasn't been healthy and we didn't really see that buzz, uh, hear that buzz from him this summer. So he's healthy now, presumably. And the fact that it's not like, wow, Penny looks like the best back on the roster. And we're not saying he looks like the best back on the roster. He's not going to stay healthy, but man, if he's just there for like five games, that's going to be really fun. Like we're not even saying that. So it could be a situation where injuries have kind of taken a toll on him. Uh, again, like you mentioned, it was a small contract, I think 600,000 guaranteed. So the fact that that's kind of all he could get um, in the open market, he was a free agent might be a little telling. So yeah, I, I, it's kind of a mystery to me. I don't know, like if he's healthy week one, right. I don't know how many touches he, he gets. I really don't know what his role is going to be like a third running back uh, in this offense. Like, what does that mean? Does he only get touches if somebody gets injured? So uh, yeah, I, I am kind of curious to see how that plays out once the real games begin. I, uh, yeah, if you're looking forward to being a wet blanket on Rashad Penny hype, because I know you are like, that's obviously that's the only thing. No, I, I actually, I actually was probably too much on the other side when they signed him. Cause I'm just like, this guy is like the highest yards per carry of anybody right. in NFL history type thing. So I, I actually um, want him, even if he's not healthy for a long time, I actually want to see him have like a three game stretch. That's really fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, listen, in, in the fourth quarter of week one against the Patriots, when the Eagles are up 31 to 10 and Penny <laughs> comes out there and gets three carries, I promise you that shift's going to take off, right? He looks good. And he's looked good in the preseason. He looks like Penny usually does when he's healthy. So we'll get there. Don't worry that the moment will come for, for that. It's just how long will we have it? And I think you laid, laid the case out well for Jurgens. It was just like, it's not really what I see. It's Jeff Stoutland is telling me this guy has been the right guard from day one until now. He's been healthy. He hasn't had issues. The reports have been good. Like, that's all great news. I mean, he could be, I thought he was a, a very good center prospect. Uh, maybe he'll be a really good guard in this scheme next to Kelsey and Lane Johnson. That's a good uh, place to be. So, yeah, I think he, he's going to be heard from one way uh, or the other, obviously starting at guard. And then if Kelsey is to suffer an injury, he would be the person to slide over there. All right. Question number five. Who is an under-the-radar player that you think might surprisingly play a role in whether the offense succeeds or not? Who do you got? Uh, big Alameda is a Kias guy tuning in. Been a, bit, been a big Alameda guy for a long time. Well, no, I think I think a common theme of last year's pod was me just being like, and Quez Watkins is also here, just being the third receiver, adding nothing. Um, which was like, you know, such a, uh, you know, um, like the Eagles offense was paradise last year. And I was pointing out like the one thing <laughs> you might be able to take on. With. Um, yeah, you're the wet blanket. I'm not the yeah, wet blanket. I'm on, Mr. On Sunshine. Quez, I'm certainly the wet blanket. Um, I think that Alameda is a better player than Quez. I think that uh, he gives you returner ability. And then he also uh, brings the same thing in terms of, like field stretching and deep threat while also being more meaningful with the ball in his hands and in the short area. I don't think that Alameda is going to be a hugely a huge part of this offense being successful because between Goddard Brown and Smith, there's just so few targets to go around. But like, you know, Quez had a drop in the Super Bowl, right? Like it's just like that guy all of a sudden matters for one play 
against a critical opponent in a one score game and you want him to be ready in, 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 when that num- when his number is called. And I think Alamade is a lot more likely to be ready than Quez is. He's just a good fundamental sound player. I'll be curious to see what their snap distributions look like with him and Quez when we actually get into the season. Um, but I would imagine that Alamade has that, that wide receiver three spot and rightfully so. Uh, so he's my guy for like, again, a little bit of a, you don't want to be thinking about him, dude. It's just when those, those five, six plays this season were like, all of a sudden it's a critical third down conversion. It's a, it's a huge shot play where he scores because the defense thought they could take a rep off because AJ wasn't out there. Devonte wasn't out there. Like those are the moments that you get him for. And I think, I think he'll deliver in those moments. Yeah. No one wants to like the conversation about that player is usually like, well, you don't want to take targets away from AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard. Yes. We, we all uh, can agree on that. It's, it, it's a hard spot. Cause it's like, can you maximize the small number of opportunities you're going to get and not screw up and, you know, get, give the team what it needs in those spots. Like you said, it could be high leverage situations. It could be closer games uh, this year. So uh, not a bad one. I've got Tyler Steen. I just have a like feeling that he's going to have to play a lot this year for one reason or the other. You, you never know with offensive line injuries. Landon Dickerson had a pretty big injury history in college. He stayed relatively healthy uh, over the first two years of his career, even though like, you know, he'll come in and out of games, that kind of thing. But I think he played what 14 uh, and 17 games. So he stayed relatively healthy. Is that going to happen again? We'll see if Jordan Mailata goes down is Tyler Steen, your left tackle. If Kelsey goes down and Cam Jurgen sides over to center, do they go with somebody else or does Tyler Steen play right guard? Like I, I just feel like, what we've seen from this, again, this is more of what Jeff Stoutland is telling me with the way he's using a player than what I, I'm not saying, wow, well, I'm scouting Tyler Stinn. He looks incredible. But in the past, Stoutland has not played a rookie at multiple spots during his first season. He's been all about, hey, master one spot. And with Steen, it's been like left tackle, right guard, flip-flopping back and forth. He right. can handle it. He obviously played a big role uh, in scouting Tyler Steen. And so I think he is an under-the-radar guy who's going to be heard from. You've got two offensive linemen. Uh, your two best offensive linemen are 35 and 33 years old. You have a left guard who had an injury history in college. Like That offensive line depth could absolutely be tested more this season. And if it is, I think Steen's going to be a guy who's going to have to come in and give you like competent starter-level play. So we'll see if he's able to do that. All right, three more questions for Benny Souls. Here's the sixth. Here, here's one. Predict one storyline, this can be absolutely anything, that you think will pick up steam at some point during the 2023 season. What do you got? Uh, Devontae Smith, top 10 receiver in the NFL, right? I mean, like, okay. are you been, folks, I have not been to Eagles camp. You've been to Eagles camp. So I'm interested for your thoughts here. People are tweeting like Devontae Smith is having the greatest camp a wide receiver's ever had in the history of football. Just like Jerry Rice, Randy Moss nonsense. I, I but the all, all the entirety of joint practice is just Devontae Smith dunking on the, the the Browns corners, now the Colts corners. Like every like the the hype train for Devontae feels astronomical. Has that been the case when you've watched him? Uh it has been, but when you just said that, I don't think I've ever had a session watching Devontae Smith where I was unimpressed. Like every time I've watched him, whether in person at training camp, whether yeah. college, whether NFL games, even when the numbers weren't always there, I'm watching the film going, oh my God, this guy's awesome. Like, I don't think I've ever had an experience where I go, eh, you know, I'm not totally seeing it right here with Devontae Smith. He's just like, he is an amazing receiver. He does all the wide receiver stuff uh, incredibly well. He's so well skilled. In that- yeah, he's so skilled. The instincts, the footwork near the sideline, the setting up DBs, the separating, the hands, the always like knowing where he is on the, you know how sometimes there's like a really athletic, like um, size, physical wide receiver and he's got all the tools and then you watch him play and like, oh, well, his foot was out of bounds when he caught that ball or he couldn't locate, you know what I mean? He just can't like put it all together. Like he does all that stuff. Uh, he's just like a like a smooth operator uh, on the field. And so um, I think that's a good one. Now, let me ask you this question before I get to mine. I'm working on a column for the ringer where I am basically picking the 75 players. I think I can say this, right? No one's going to steal the column idea. Uh, I'm picking the, and if they do, I mean, it was Bill Simmons' uh, original idea. So you're stealing from the person who works at our company. So don't even think about doing that. Basically, you pick the 75 players in the NFL who you think have the highest trade value at this very moment in time. 
Uh, I'm going through this, uh, Ben. I'm through about 40 players, and there's a tough Eagles question I'm trying to answer. If right now today, Howie Roseman put both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the open market and said both of these guys are available for trade, <laughs> which, <laughs> which player brings you back a higher okay, okay, okay. return? Now, let me give you some of the, the details here. So, um, we know what A.J. Brown's trade value was last year. He got a first and a third round pick from the Tennessee Titans. We, you know, let's just assume that the Titans called around and didn't just call the Eagles and say, we're trading him to you. Uh, so we, we, it was a first and a third last year. He's 26 years old. He had a career season last year, uh, and he's under contract. So that's A.J. Brown. Now, Devontae Smith is on his rookie deal for, let me double, I think it's two more years, right? Yeah, he's been in the league for two years. He's on his rookie deal for two more years, and then you get the fifth-year option with Devontae Smith. So he's under team control. Do you get the fifth-year option after a trade? Great question. I'm literally Googling it right now with one hand because, uh, okay. uh, That's no, information I uh, you, you, you cannot get the fifth-year option after oh. you have been traded. It belongs All exclusively right. to the team that acquired you. The, the draft, excuse me. Okay, so I'm going to have to adjust some of my write-ups. Let me write a note here. Fifth year <laughs> This is good work. That's why I told you we got brainstorm on this. I know. Yeah. I, I know. You told me yesterday you had time, which I appreciated. And I'm like, Ben, I, ha- I haven't like even ordered any of these guys yet. I have nothing to send you uh, right now, but uh, I did appreciate that. So, uh, all right. So it's really just under contract for the next two seasons, it would be for Devontae Smith, he's got, let's see here, uh, where did he go? Devontae Smith, I'm looking at the salaries. He went, he, so he has right now, in this season, $9,400,000 in base salary. 940000 base salary yeah. and a $1.5 million roster bonus. And then next year, $1.05 million and a $2.35 million uh, roster yeah. bonus. That's what a trading team would be on the hook for. So they would have him under contract for two more years. He's 25 years old. AJ Brown is 26 years old. He has, uh, now his his contract is uh, backloaded uh, a bit there, but obviously when he signed a contract with the Eagles, it, w- it was for $25 million uh, per year there. So he's going to be making significantly mm-hmm. more money, uh, but he's also under contract for four more seasons. So he's under contract through 2026. What do you think? Because this is really one of the hardest things I'm answering with this column. It's like you okay. have the, you know, you've got these great wide receivers in their mid to late 20s who we know what they are. They're making a lot of money. And then you've got like Devonte Smith and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Like those guys never get mm-hmm. traded, but if they did, who would it be? So what do you think? I'm extremely confident in my answer. Okay. Devontae would get more because of the contract. Because really? of the contract, he'd get more. He would, right? Like, it's, okay. it's, if you're acquiring AJ, well, actually, I guess AJ's base salary is pretty low for the next two years. No, yeah. Right. Because, because of the, 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 what you get when you acquire AJ's contract, because his base salaries are so low for 23 and 24, which is the same years as low for Devontae. Actually, that doesn't work. Because there's not actually that substantial of a difference in, in, in the deal if you're an acquiring team, right? For the Eagles, there's a substantial difference. But if you're acquiring the contract, there isn't. Um, so it's probably AJ. But it's also weird because like... <laughs> because you went from... I was wrong. I was wrong. I was, when I was confident, it I was is confu- it is confu- It is confusing with yes. the money stuff for sure, which is part of AJ, what the exercise yeah. is that I'm going the other The other thing that's challenging is this. AJ was just traded, like you said, for 18 overall. Right and, and and a third round pick, which means if you were to trade him this year, the going price would be eighteen overall and a third round pick. We just established this, right? If you it it it'd be like jacked up a little bit. He had a great season, but also discounted discounted a little bit. Now he's on the extension. Like I don't know. Like that's still going to be the price for AJ Brown. Devonte is worth eighteen overall and a third round pick. Like he is. Like he's that good. Like I. It's, I don't know. You, good hard. thing you're writing this column and not me, because that I sucks. Know. That's a tough question. Well, yeah, then you look at A.J. Brown past, you know, 2024, 20, and let's see, he's making 15 and 30, 45. So he's making about $23 million per year in 25 and 26. Now, if Devontae Smith 
were to hit the open market, he's probably going to be making at least $23 million per year. When you look at wide receiver salaries, like I think that's around what Terry McLaurin uh, recently got. So yeah, it is a, uh, it, it, I think AJ Brown is a sneaky young guy. You know, he's only 26 years old. Like it feels like AJ Brown's oh, been, yeah. a, been around Very for a long time. Guy. But I would think like, if you just asked me, I would have said, oh, he's, you know, 28 years old. No, he's only 26 years old. So that is a tough question uh, that I'm chewing on and we'll have to decide between now and when the uh, column runs. But uh, yeah. my storyline is actually still also on Devonte Smith. And it's actually this same topic. I think this is going to be a question, but I think people are going to say, are the Eagles really going to be able to keep AJ Brown and Devonte Smith? Are you going to be able to pay two wide receivers $20 million or more? And I'm not saying it's like dumb or silly, although I think it's kind of silly. And I will just say, when's the last time Howie Roseman had a homegrown player that was as good as Devontae Smith at a premium position and didn't sign that player to a second contract? Like, that's just not how the organization, I shouldn't even say Howie Roseman. You can go to Jeffrey Lurie, like since he's owned the team, that generally is not something that has happened. And so uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think they will find a way to get Devontae Smith under contract long-term. I think they will keep A.J. Brown. Uh, I think they've had issues finding two wide receivers this good. I mean, we're talking about uh, one of the best tandems in franchise history, for sure, if it means you have to make adjustments at other parts of the roster. I think they'll do that, but I just don't. I think organizationally, they look at talented players, productive players, culture fits, mid-20s. No, no, no. Those aren't guys that we just... Yeah. Uh, move on from. So uh, I, I actually don't think that's going to be an issue, but I think that will be a topic that gets uh, brought up at some point this season. Yeah. And like, I get thinking about it because like, that's, that's how we all think about football now as, as, as fans, like we have a lot more visibility and a lot more coverage on this, which is all great. But I always say to people like, don't worry about it. Like that's how his job, like don't, just, like, don't think about these things. Right. It's just, He's under contract this year, so is AJ. He's under contract next year, so is AJ. You get there when you get there. It's it's a, it, like a little bit of it is like, you know, just in, like, you know, it's just football. Like, just enjoy the football. But then also there's an aspect of like, dude, so much changes, right? Year over year. Like, if anything, like COVID taught us a bajillion things. One of the things that it taught us was like, okay, like the stuff could just happen to the cap and we're all going to have to just reassess all the time, right? Like the world we live in two years from now, when Devontae Smith's contract is up or, or they're considering his fifth-year option, picking it up even a year from now, it's going to be so different than the world we live in right now. Like The wide receiver landscape is going to be different. We're going to know stuff about the draft class and stuff about Hurts and stuff about free agents. Like, just, uh, like, uh, you know, what's, um, I feel like, uh, like, I feel like Baloo in the Jungle Book. Like, just the bare necessities. No worries, no cares. Stop thinking about Devontae Smith's contract. Um, I didn't even let, get to let, do mine. Let you co-opted co mine. You were like, hey, solve this AJ Brown problem for me. I didn't even get to no, do no, my no. Devontae no, top you, 10 you, receiver. You, Oh, I thought you did that one already. Did you have no? More I said, that? I said, I think he's gonna become a top ten receiver. And then I asked you, has oh. he had a crazy good camp? The way it's been reported, and you said, and I answered solve that. this AJ Brown problem. For oh, I me. thought that was the end of it. All right, go ahead, continue. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I don't really have that much more to say. I just I felt, I felt, I felt like my time got arrested from it was taken from me. No, I just I. Uh, the, the main reason why I wanted to bring this up is because the wide receiver position in the league is so unbelievably talented. Like I like yeah. ranked the receivers as I generally see them last year, like in the winter. And I had Devonte like 16, 17 in the league. But I think of you if right now, if you asked, like if you just pulled average NFL fans or average NFL, like coaches and execs, like, Hey, top wide receiver duos in the league. Go. You got Tyreek and, and Waddle. No question. Chase and Higgins. No question. I think a lot of people would still say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think a lot of people would say DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And like all of that, and then like A.G. Brown and Devontae Smith would get said in there somewhere. I would not be surprised if at the end of this season, when they go to do who are the best wide receiver duos in the league, they start with A.G. Brown and Devontae Smith. Like I think it'll I think like they are and deserve to be and will be in the Higgins Chase conversation and in the Waddle uh, uh Tyree conversation in terms of just the most talented duo. That to me is the uh that's the arc that Devontae's on right now. All right. Thank so you, you think you think Devontae Smith is going to be a top 10 wide receiver. Is A.J. Brown also going to be a top 10 wide receiver? A.J. Brown's, been a, AJ Brown's been a top 10 receiver. And no, but will he be at the, the end of the season? At the end of the yeah, season? Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll stay He's, there. Yeah, okay. 26 right, years so young, two of baby. the top 10. Okay. There you go. Just listen. 
I'm trying to gather intel. As, as you can tell here, this is really stressing me out. Uh, I don't know why I agree to do, you know, not agree. I volunteer to do stuff like this. Bad idea, Sheil. You should learn by now. You're old. All right. Number seven. Give me one bold prediction about a specific player or the offense as a whole. What do you got? Uh, Jason Kelsey does not retire at the end of this season. Comes back Ooh, for another season. Another uh, 36, age 36 season. Here's, I, 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 mean, I was thinking about this yesterday after Jason Kelsey apparently lit a Christmas tree on Zaire Franklin in the middle of practice. <laughs> Were you at practice yesterday? I was not, no. Oh, devastating. I really wanted to hear. Um, Kelsey, like, I think, I don't want to psychoanalyze Kelsey, but I think Kelsey is like, Every, with every progressive year realizing just how much he loves football like he's having like a renaissance of of realizing like how much he, he really loves this because like for a guy to have flirted with retirement this long and then to keep coming back and i think especially to like having lost the super bowl last year uh to say like no i want to come back like I, to me like there's a uh second championship philadelphia legacy fire that's in kelsey right now and i would feel i, I i've been a big the reason why this is like a, a hot take is because I've been a big like, guys, Kelsey's retiring next year guy for like three years now because it just like, why, like, I, I haven't understood what's been left for him in terms of, in terms of what he's had to prove. Like he's one of the most beloved Eagles in history. He's a, a he's an, uh, an all pro guy. Like, I don't think he has a hall of fame career, but it's really hard to have a hall of fame career. From oh, I do. You don't think so? I think, I think he is going to be all a pros hall of fame. You're talking, you're talking NFL hall of fame four and they've, yeah, I think he has I four he had like all two pros. All pros. Uh, I, th- I thought he has a bunch after, like, since he turned 30. It's been a weird career where I think he got all of oh, them. Oh, he's uh, got av- five all pros. Five Holy all pros. Holy smokes. Yeah, no, I, okay, I, so Kelsey's he, a really, Hall of Famer, if you, it, as I said. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, right, so, like, okay, you're a Hall of Famer. Like, why are you coming back? Like, what are you doing? Um, And I think, like, so first you like, again, like him popping Zaire Franklin, like Kelsey just loves this. Like he just absolutely freaking lives for this. And then the other thing that that I've been reflecting on with Kelsey recently is like, he's supposed to not, he's supposed to be less athletic. Like that's supposed to happen. Like I just remember like Alex Mack, who was the other like, he's a really fast, quick, undersized center. Like how incredible. I remember watching Mack as his career went on just being like, okay, like he just doesn't have the legs for this anymore. Like it, it, the... He can't account for his lack of mass with quickness because he's just not as, as fast as he was, not as strong as he was. Like the body's done. And we're just nowhere near, like we're not near that with Kelsey at all. Like maybe the cliff will come really fast. Like maybe it'll be week seven this year. I'll be like, I have bad news. Like it's coming. It's here for Kelsey. Like Kelsey like cannot get the engine running again. But Kelsey last season looked like looked like 26-year-old Kelsey, man. Like he looked like decade ago Kelsey. It's unbelievable. Um, And his brother's going to stay in the league and they're like doing the podcast together and like having a blast and and one of the reasons why that pod is good is because they're both playing and they're like sharing playing stories. Like, I think like, I, like I, I really, really think Kelsey very nearly retired two or three years ago. And then since then, like it's just Jalen and it's Nick and it's his brother and like, and his body's great. And like, I, Kelsey can play for another like five years. So I think, and, and now, especially like if Jurgens takes the right guard job and start and, and starts, the Eagles have to redo the question of like, okay, like, do we need a Kelsey backup plan right do we need to, to, to be like after the landon picks after the jurgen picks like all right we got to get another a third potential starting center in the building i'm like i think they probably need to, less urgency than we thought i think that, that, that you can turn the sirens down a little bit i think kelsey's an eagle again in 2024 yeah i think the team being really good is really at the heart of it like, like you said mm-hmm. i mean if this were a middling team with a Quarter, you know, you're not sure about the quarterback and hey, maybe best case scenario, you win 10 games, then I think he's probably out of here. But to have played this long and then go into a season where you feel like, no, we actually can win the Super Bowl. Uh, I just think that's hard for him to turn down. Also, like in regular life, you can't just, you know, run 50 yards and just, you know, knock a guy down. You're you're not right. able to just uh, 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 do that. So that I know I, I thought when I saw what he did yesterday, I was like, is this just a content play? You know, because we're in the content game. Maybe it was like, shoot, you know, those those three weeks between the third preseason game and the the first game of the season, like it's kind of hard. You know, you feel like you've explored every angle. Uh, maybe I should just go over here, take Zaire Franklin out. Uh, we could lead the podcast with that this week. We know listenership uh, will be up. Like I haven't heard anyone else say that. I think that's a, you know, because yeah, this is how you always think about things. You're like, great for content. We're always, <laughs> this is all about filling out the hours on the pod, baby. 
I root for content. There, you get me a get me a jersey that says content uh, on the back, and I will wear it proudly. All right, mine mine I think is uh, it might be a little bit too bold, but how about Jalen Hurts leads the NFL in completion percentage? Bold. The question was to be bold. I think. I think Whoa, what? I think that would people. <laughs> what you don't think that's bold? No, I'm saying that's extremely bold. bold. That's insanely bold. Okay. Uh, all right. So here's the case. Uh, it's not like he's got to come from like 25. He was 11th last year. Completion percentage of 66.5. Huge uptick from the year before. Geno Smith led the NFL at 69.8. So you're saying, all right, he's got to be uh, bump that up about three percentage points from where he was last year. Now, last year, Jalen Hurts' average throw went 8.3 yards, which is a little higher than league average. So if the defenses do what you said, then maybe he's going to get some easier completions. If you look at some of the advanced stuff, it actually is even more flattering in terms of Jalen Hurts' ability to complete passes. He was sixth in completion percentage over expectation. For those that don't know, that's a next-gen stats uh, metric where they kind of, you know, they have the GPSs, uh, the tracking devices on the players, and it says, all right, based on how much pressure the quarterback was under, how much separation the receiver had, how far was the throw, where to the field was the throw, this throw has a completion per- expected completion percentage of X, and then it measures that versus the quarterback's actual completion percentage, and he was sixth in the NFL. Pro football focus, they do adjusted completion percentage. That takes into account uh, drops by your wide receivers that takes into account uh, spikes where you're just killing the clock that takes into account throwaways. Jalen Hurts was fourth in adjust- adjusted completion percentage. So I'm giving you three metrics there: eleventh, sixth, and fourth. Again, would I you know bet the bet the mortgage on this happening? No, I wouldn't. But if I'm going to go as far as to say, hey, I think Jalen Hurts is going to take a big leap and he's going to finish top five in EPA per pass play, well. That would probably mean he, he completes more passes. And if he completes a little bit more from 66.5%, maybe he gets to 68%, and then maybe he's close there. So uh, listen, mm-hmm. you got to be bold. This is this is bold season. It's August 23rd. So there you go. Yeah. All right. The, um, cool. the, thing, the thing is like saying, my here's my problem. If Jalen Hurts' completion percentage over expectation was very high in 2022, that doesn't predict that he's going to complete more passes next year. It predicts he's going to complete fewer passes next year because he's just going to regress to the mean of his expected completion rate, right? Like in 2021... The throws he was attempting, you're saying, yeah, given yeah. the throws he was attempting. Yeah. In That's 2021, true. he had a completion percentage of 61.3%, and he had expected completion percentage of 61.4%, right? Like it was I was on average. So he was over expectation last year. You would expect regression back. Now obviously if he's over expectation four years in a row, we just know he's a uniquely accurate quarterback with great receivers in contested situations whatever. But right now like I like to me like I don't think of Hurts as the sort of guy who ends up with a really high completion percentage because I don't think of him as a like he's not he's an accurate quarterback but he's not like pinpoint. Um, and he doesn't throw high percentage throws. He throws a lot of low percentage throws, right? Not like in a bad way in like a, I trust AJ Brown to handle this for me. And just like, that's, that's a hard, that's why I was so surprised because like Hertz is not the sort of player who the offensive philosophy around him is going to be like, well, let's get our completions. Make sure we get our buckets and like get the right. quarterback. He's not a check down Charlie. Yeah. yeah. He's just letting and, and, it rip and saying, yeah. go make a play for me. And that's a good thing. Right. And also, like, a lot of times, the high completion percentage quarterbacks are the quarterbacks you want to be, like, in a rhythm. They, you're trying to get them into Terminator mode, right? Like, think Herbert, Dak, Lawrence, guys like that. Uh, and Hurts, like, when you, Hurts in a rhythm is, like, let them run it. You know what I'm saying? You're not even, like, like, like oh, let's get into some slants and whatever. Like, they do, they obviously do that. Every offense does that for the quarterback. But it's not as big of a feature, in my opinion, uh, in, in the Eagles offense relative to other offenses. So, I like, I just, like, I would, if you made me, like, I, I don't know what Hurts is. 2022 like a dot was but if you made me guess eight, like eight, hey 8.3 8. which is right so where would that rank average. what was that it was it's it, it's kind of towards the middle but a little yeah. higher than league average i would say yeah so like i would be i would be more inclined to say like he's going to experience a big jump in a dot as opposed to saying like he's experienced big jump in completion percentage because of how he's previously played now obviously like i said i think defensively they're going to try to take that away from him so who knows but a lot of this is like a stylistic conversation it's just how Hertz operates. Correct. That's why, you know, no one uses completion percentage anymore, and rightfully so. But you know what? I felt like going a little old school and breaking it out there. All right. Final question, which I think we've both already answered on our uh, extra point taken pod when we did the 
five best offenses, uh, our projections, and then that morphed into the 12 best offenses, uh, our projection. Where will the Eagles offense rank in DVOA by the end of the season? Yeah, last year they were third. I think that it would be unrealistic to project them to be third because that would mean that they're as good as they were last year and they're better than every offense that's not the Chiefs and the Bills. With that said, I think they're probably going to be about third. Like, I don't know. It, 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 like, there's reasons to expect that the Eagles offense is going to be a little bit worse just because of, like, health. They were super healthy last year. Uh, luck because of the play caller change like we talked about. Like, there's a bunch of stuff you can go through. But that's kind of the case for every offense. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, right. like I, I, it is uninspiring to take their exact DVO ranking from last year and be like, this is what they're going to do again. And Kansas City is going to be one and Buffalo is going to be two. But when I like wipe my mind and just look at the rosters and what I know of the, 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 the players in the league, I think the Chiefs are the best offense and the Bills are the second best offense. And I think the Eagles have the third best offense. And like, uh, if it's chalk, it's chalk. Um, I would be, if they're seventh instead of eighth, uh, or excuse me, seventh or eighth instead of third, I wouldn't be shocked. I, and I don't think the sky would be falling. I think that's a, a, a noise thing, right? That's kind of within the, within the margin for error. If they're outside of the top, like 10, 11, 12, I'll be really surprised. And I think that'll that's be a, a disaster. Uh, if yeah. they're, if like they're that's, really that's, outside, yeah. like the top eight, that's like what, and it's not injury related. That is a, uh, Ben Solak was very right about okay. Shane Steichen and Shiel Kapadia has to take his medicine. Okay. Time, if the Eagles offense season. is ninth in DVOA, I'm not going to call it a disaster. You can call it a disaster. Uh, but if I might. Like, yeah. I would say like, if you gave me the Eagles are a top 10 offense by DVOA or they're anywhere from 11 to 32, I'd put it like a 65, 70% chance that they're top 10 and then like 30% chance that they're going to be outside. I think that that should very much be the, 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 the I would go higher on the, on the one yeah. to 10. I don't know. Maybe I'm overconfident. Listen, give it to me. When we get what, to the, when we get to the, when we get to the defense, I'm going to be singing a, a, a different tune. So if you're going, this is weird. Sheila is very like optimistic and uh, sunshine. I, I don't know. I've, like I, I haven't calibrated what it should be. I did, What did you say? 60. All right. So I, yeah, I, maybe I was um, overselling it. Just when you said that 60s, Felt a little low to me. I would say 75-ish, 80%. I said 65-70, yeah. All right, I go 75-80. So maybe we're not that far off. But yeah, I mean, top 10, I feel like with their offensive line, I I think the big thing, if you're looking at, first of all, I have them second. And I agree, I agree with you. Like, I don't necessarily think, yes, they're going to be second. But when you do rankings, you're like, well, which teams have the best chance to kind of be up there? Because every offense, you can say, well, they're not going to be as good as this, you know, except for the Chiefs. They're not going to be as good at this, this year as they were last year. So you're kind of just saying, all right, you know, who has the best chance to be in the top five when you do it? And that's kind of how you go one, two, three, four, five. So I have them second. I think the big thing they have going for them is that their best players should theoretically all be in their primes or all be ascending players. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. We're talking about guys who are between 25 and 28 years old. These are all guys who could still have their career years ahead of them, where if you look at a lot of the offenses around the NFL or a lot of the teams around the NFL, that's not necessarily going to be the case. So uh, I could see the O-line certainly having more injuries, taking a little bit um, of a step back. That's true. Gardner Minshew had to play two games for you last year. Like how many games are you expecting from Jalen Hurts? If he plays 17 games, then that's better than what you had last year. But is he going to play 17 games? I don't know. And if he doesn't, guess what? Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be worse than it was (laughs) last year if Marcus Mariota is your backup quarterback. So uh, there's all those things certainly to consider. But uh, I do have a lot of confidence in this offense. It's a reason why I'm bullish on the Eagles being a, you know, we get to actual predictions, but uh, certainly being right up there with any team uh, in the NFC. And I think the numbers, like the overall counting stats, are going to get juiced a little bit because they're going to be in fewer fourth quarter blowouts uh, and they're going to have to put up a lot of points in some of these games to win these games. All right. I didn't know. I, you had the mic. Like, it looked like you were getting ready to say something, but you were just... No, I was honestly, I was yeah. just resting my face against the mic, which whenever I oh. hold the mic, I do. I'm even doing it now as I'm talking, which probably ruined the audio for Cliff, so I should stop doing yeah. this. That this is better. Weird. Okay. All yeah. right. That's better. All right. Well... That'll do it. So this was in lieu of a uh, post-game pod. We figured we don't need to do a post-game pod on uh, Thursday night. And listen, if something wild happens, 
we will be ready. But otherwise, we thought, let's start getting into the, the big stuff uh, with the season this week. So we'll see uh, when we're on here next and what we decide to do. But like I said, next week, we will do the defense. The week after that, we'll do the predictions. And then we're ready for week one. Eagles Patriots, Ben Solak already has his score ready. 30, now, you said 31 to 10 before Rashad Penny has those three carries. So is it going to be like 34-10, 38-10? 45-10. 45-10. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I like it. 45-10. You can already uh, take a look at the line and go with that. All right. Thank you to Benjamin Solak. Thank you to Ace producer Cliff Augustine. This is Shio Kapadia. We'll talk to you soon once again on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.